0: Hello, good evening India, very good morning America, I'm I'm I am Arun Kumar. I am Kristina charya Yeah, welcome to the program uh, webinar launched by 24 USA as part of our Sea to Sky program. We have a wonderful personality with us uh, who was a mentor, who was a facilitator, who was a think tank, who was an entrepreneur, who was an educationalist, who was uh, who is a technocrat. In fact, revolutionized the Indian horizon of uh, communication and technology None other than Dr. Sam Petroda. We welcome all of you to this uh, program webinar launched by 24USA uh, C2Sky.
1: As a part of C2Sky project,
0: C2Sky is a, it's a series of academic exchange programs. Uh, it, it includes faculty exchange, scholar exchange, uh, mentoring from outside, and intercontinental mentoring through virtual means. Voluntary
1: cleaning by students of India and students of Europe or students of America.
0: Yeah, so the program uh, contains a lot of innovations in the field of academic and I invite all of you to this beautiful program and uh, now we will begin with, right? The dignitaries and I will just introduce a few of the dignitaries other than Dr. Sampitoda and uh, this includes our honorable uh, members and speaker of uh, the Legislative Assembly and we start with MB Rajesh
2: uh Arun and Christina,
1: thank
2: you. Uh, I wish all success to this uh, new endeavor by 24 uh, USA 24, and uh, I'm very happy to see Mr. Sam Petroda, uh, who has led the technological revolution, telecom revolution in India. And I hope that this uh, new initiative by 24 US will benefit um, especially students and academic community. Thank you very much, Sarum.
0: Thank you, thank you, thank you, MB Rajesh, uh, Honorable Speaker, Kerala Legislative Assembly. We have with us Roji M. John, uh, member of Legislative Assembly from the constituency, Angamali, and Advocate Pramod Narayan from uh, Ramni constituency, and uh, MLA Arun Kumar MS from Maiveli constituency. Uh, and do we have other dignitaries uh, as well. Christine? Yes.
1: T.P. Srinivasan, former Indian diplomat. Dr. N.V. Pillai, clinical professor, Thomas Jefferson University, Philadelphia. Kannan Gopinathan, former IAS officer and activist. P.V.J. and IPS, IG of Coastal Security of Kerala. Major Revi, retired major in the Indian Army and former NSD Commando. K. Anwar Sadat, CEO, Kite. S. Adikeshavan, Chief General Manager, Strategy Rural Business, SBI. Viti Belram, former member of Kerala Legislative Assembly. K. Shabari Nathan, former member of Kerala Legislative Assembly. V. K. Adarsh, a banker by profession and a scientific writer. Devadas Rajaram, Assistant Professor, Asian School of Journalism. Dr. Vishwanatha Koti, Assistant Professor, Ramaya Institute of Technology. Dr. Sadiq A, Dean, Kerala Technical University, Thiravindapuram. We are glad to have you all.
0: Thank you um, all dignitaries on board and uh, we are uh, quickly moving to uh, Mathu Kotaregara. Mathu Kotaregara is the he, he is hitting the USA, uh, 24 USA and actually um, 24 USA is the proud vertical of a 24 news channel and um, we, have, uh, we have been doing a lot of programs, talk shows, and this is going to be our uh, prestigious program with the 24 USA, uh, with the full cooperation of uh, Madhu Kotarikara 24 is uh, having this program, Sea to Sky, and I uh, invite uh, Madhu Kutarikara, uh for uh, having a, a briefing. This, uh, what about what the, about the program and the nature of the webinar? Uh, to the what case. is
1: exactly C to Sky? Right, sir.
3: Thank you, Dr. Arun Christina Cheryan. Good evening, India. Good morning, America. India's fastest-growing news channel, 24, expanded the footprints among American Malayalis in a very short span of time. Considering the growth trajectory of 24 among Americans, we believe it's time to take it a notch higher and think beyond the TV screen space and help the enrichment of human life. As part of our social responsibility, we coined the concept of Sea to Sky project an academic program which provides an opportunity to aspiring professionals to interact with the expats settled in the United States of America. Today, we are honored to have Dr. Sam Petroda, the father of Indian Telecom, to launch our program, Sea to Sky. I would like to welcome all the special guests and the participants to this program. Thank you all for joining this program. We expecting your wholehearted support to the Sea to Sky project. Thank you.
1: Thank
0: you. Thank you, Madhu Kotarakara, for your warm welcome.
1: Before moving on to the keynote address, Dr. Adam Kumar, as you said, Dr. Sam Pitroda is the father of Indian IT and computer revolution. He is a man of words and action. And let's see a short video on Dr. Sam Pitroda. Play the really.
4: Dr. Sam Pitroda, the father of India's computer and IT revolution. He is the founder and first chairman of India's Telecom Commission, a multifaceted personality who is an internationally respected telecom inventor, entrepreneur, development thinker and policy maker who has spent half a century in information and communication technology and related global and national developments. He is the founding chairman of a number of profit and non-profit organizations and holds 20 honorary PhDs. 24 is honored to have Dr. Sam Pitroda as the guest speaker of our webinar, Sea to Sky.
0: Uh, we welcome Sam Pitroda and uh, we are all ears for you for the next 30 minutes uh, for launching the program, Sea to Sky, and to deliver, uh, I think, uh, your expectations, your imaginations, your thoughts uh, with respect to what you said once to unlock the past with the help of new technology.
5: Thank you, Dr. Arun, Krishnacharya, Srikant Dhanayar, Madhu Kotara,ka MB Rajesh, EP Sri Nevasan, former ambassador, My friend Vikas Charyan, distinguished dignitaries, ladies and gentlemen, greetings from Chicago. It is indeed a special honor and privilege for me to be here with you all to celebrate and to launch this program. I want to compliment Sea to Sky initiative, which is a signature project of 24 USA. I think it's a great idea to have a program to interact with young aspiring people from all over the world of Indian origin, especially people from Kerala. I also believe it is very timely, especially after Corona crisis, world has to be restructured. We cannot go on the way we have been going on in the past. So when I asked Vikas as to what is that he wants me to talk about, He suggested that I talk a little bit about technology, what we did in India, where are we today, and basically outline my journey on connectivity, and then talk about a book I have written recently called Redesigning the World. So let me begin by saying that hyper-connectivity is going to change everything around us. The revolution is about to begin. Hyper-connectivity is going to change our relationships, our work, government, business, products, services, education health there is nothing that i can think of today that will not change because of hyperconnectivity to me hyperconnectivity is all about now it's all about irrespective of where you are, you are always there, everywhere. It is about democratization of information, decentralization of implementation, and demonetization of services. Everything is going to be available in abundance. and everything's going to cost less. And that is not a dream. It is going to happen. It's a matter of time. How fast we can make that happen is up to us. The world we live in today is very different from the world we are going to live in next 20-25 years. My journey into connectivity started long time ago. I was born in a small little tribal village in Orissa, went to school in Baroda, got a degree in physics, and then one day saw in the newspaper that President Kennedy has decided to send man on to the moon. And I decided to come to America in 1964. Studied here Those were the days of Vietnam War. And everyone was working for the defense industry. As soon as you graduated, you got a job with General Dynamics, Martin Marriott, or many other defense industries. I was brought up in Gandhian values. My parents were Gujarati. Gandhi was a role model and those were the early days of India's independence movement where heroes were Nehru Patel, Subhash Chandra Bose, Maulana Azad, and many others. But the values were rooted in freedom, democracy, diversity, inclusion, Love and nonviolence. So, I did not want to get a job in defense. And I took a lesser paying job and decided to go into communication by accident. I felt communication is important for human civilization. Didn't understand a lot of the details then, but as a young man, I was idealist, and I didn't want to work for the defense. That really started my journey into telecom. This was 1965, and I, again by chance, got to work on digital communication. Got a lot of patents, left that company after eight years, started a business in Chicago to build digital switching systems, along with two other colleagues. That was 1974. In 1979, we had 2000 employees, fairly successful business, and we sold it to Rockwell International, then for $50 million cash, and I took on a job as the vice president of Rockwell in charge of Chicago, Cedar Rapids, and Dallas. Had my own corporate jet, had an office in three places, had an apartment in Dallas, I lived in Chicago, and had a wonderful life. And I was just about 38 years old. Then I came to India and could not make a phone call to my wife in Chicago and little bit of arrogance and lot of ignorance said, I'm gonna spend next decade of my life trying to work on telecommunications in India. Got a chance to meet with Mrs. Indra Gandhi, gave her a presentation, basically saying that telecom and IT will change the face of India. This was 1980, 81. It was hard to believe in a country where there were just about 2 million telephones. It used to take 10 years to get a telephone connection. To talk about telecom IT was not a routine thing. People wanted to talk about water, agriculture, farmers, rural development. But I didn't know anything about it. So I thought I need to focus on what I know a little bit about Mrs. Indra Gandhi gave me an opportunity. When she died, Rajiv Gandhi gave me total political will. And I decided to come back to India to work with him on telecom and IT. Became chairman of telecom commission. Got lots of young people to work. I'm sorry. I don't know why somebody is getting me. And then, worked with a lot of young people to build telecom IT infrastructure and basically focused on building human capacity. Our goal was indigenous development, local talent, local production, Indian solutions, Indian ways of doing it, And we had a mission mode approach. 36 months, $36 million to deliver following things. And what was critical was political will, young talent, domain expertise. And at the end, we created a dream for a large number of people in India. Especially young. Then I moved on to technology missions for rural drinking water, immunization, edible oil, telecom, literacy, and milk production. Again, these were all in mission mode. Mission implied listening to other people, democratic decision-making, collaboration, cooperation, co-creation. Mission implied listening to the voices on the ground. And these are very complex problems. Just to give an idea, we had guinea worm, a special kind of spaghetti type of a worm that comes out of your body in 37,000 villages in India. And our mission was to eliminate guinea worm. Use satellite to find water, reduce import of cooking oil, provide immunization to 20 million children and 20 million pregnant women every year, build cold chain equipment. There were no computers then. There was no software. These were very complex tasks. And we did all that against all the odds. So many people, when they say today nothing got done in Congress era, they are totally ignorant. I feel sorry for them and their intelligence. Lot of things got done. We could eradicate polio only because Rajiv Gandhi had a dream to provide immunization to every child and every pregnant woman. We build our own supercomputer called Param. That was also a mission mode project. So we did a lot of interesting things and energized large number of human resource through young, talented people. What you see today in IT was really planted then as the main seed. Then we had 2 million phones. Today we have 1.2 billion phones. Then we did zero software export. Today we do $200 billion worth of software and service export. We could do all these things because we had mission mode approach to everything. We had well-defined objectives, timetable, resources allocated, political will, local talent, special strategy and the most important thing was we were democratic. We allowed criticism. We opened the system and we were willing to listen to people and not be dictatorial. Suppress dissent. And we worked with press We invited press to every meeting so they could really monitor us, keep us honest. So we don't tell lies to people. We tell them the ground reality, accept our failures and learn from each other. This is very important to development in any country, developed or developing. When you begin to control and start with command and control mindset, as opposed to collaboration, cooperation, you really undermine development. People don't understand that. But the reality of life is that democracy invites a large number of people to participate and we learned from our disagreements. And that's what we did. I had the best time in my life, working with Rajiv Gandhi. Over a period of time, we became friends, trusted each other, so trust was a very important element. Today, people don't trust each other. Trust was fundamental to development. Unfortunately, Rajiv Gandhi was taken away from us in 1990. The loss of that leader is still felt by many. When he died, I lost my heart. I would run out of money, so I decided to come back to the US. Because I also had to make money and live. In India, I did not make any money, did not take any salary. I changed my nationality back to Indian. So I had to come and work again to put my children through college. So again, I came here at the age of 54, couldn't get a visa to come. So I came on a tourist visa, started my work, built a company, became chairman of a bank in London to fund telecom in emerging markets set up by United Nations and ITU. And then I had a patent on electronic diary. So I sued six major companies, Texas Instrument, Hillard Packard, Casio, Toshiba, Sharp, and Radio Shack. Got some money to restart my life from the patent suit I won and then i came up with an idea to develop electronic wallet or digital mobile wallet i built a company then and sold it to mastercard in 2013 in between when dr manmohan singh became prime minister i decided to come back again to work on national knowledge commission innovation council and digital india so my plan was to really make enough money in the US to live a comfortable life, but my heart was in India. I wanted to work on technology, telecom development in India. Connectivity was the core of my idea of development. I was convinced that connectivity will connect diverse part of India, celebrate diversity, enhance inclusion, and really expedite the process of development. Our model was Indian model. Our focus was indigenous development. And I believe Indian talent was good enough to deliver on all of these things. So I'm a great believer in young Indian talent. I'm a great believer in Indian model of development. And I think India has a lot to offer to the world in many areas. During corona crisis, I was locked up at home for 14 months. And I decided to write a book, basically saying that the world was last designed when I was born during World War II. That design was based on democracy, human rights, capitalism, consumption, and military. That design gave birth to UN, World Bank, NATO, WTO, IMF, uh, WHO, GDP, and all that. That design served us well. But that design in a hyper-connected world I talk about that in the book, saying how that design should be changed to focus on inclusion, sustainability, human needs, conservation, new economy, and nonviolence. All of these things require technical input, technology. But technology is an entry point. is a tool to bring about generational change and not an end point. There are only two key end points. One, planet. We got to improve climate. We got to improve our air, our water, our ocean, environment, global warming. We got to take care of our birds and bees and animals. There is a whole area of taking care of planet. I believe planet is in pain because the development in the last 30-40 years has really created huge pressure on the planet. Second is people. People are also in pain because of inequality. Very few people have lots of money and lots of people don't have enough to live comfortably. And that disparity has gone on increasing with technology. Technology has become pervasive, but technology has also created a huge amount of inequality. And we live in an era of surplus and not scarcity, but we still think as if we live in an era of scarcity so we need to plan to deliver basic needs to everybody and that's where i believe the congress ideology that our founding fathers had becomes very critical bottom up development decentralization democracy human rights inclusion trust These are not just words. These are ideas to live with. These things define who you are as a nation and as an individual. To me, one word defined me, connectivity. My entire journey in life is based on one word, connectivity. Connectivity. So all of these words, diversity, inclusion, freedom, go much deeper in understanding implementation. And that's what defines the kind of nation we will build. No nation today can be built based on religious fundamentalist. No nation today can be built on old ideas We need a vision. We need a vision of tomorrow, which has to be based on multiple dreams and not dreams of one group of people or one person. And I worry about India today. I worry a lot about India because we have lost direction. We need to put us back on track where we celebrate diversity where we listen to the voices of the people on the ground. Free up the system. And these are the things we need to do. I'm not going to take much of your time. I've already taken a lot of time. I'll be happy to answer lots of questions if you have. But my message is we need to redesign India. We cannot go on the way we are going on. We have 400 million people who are below poverty line, and we are creating billionaires. We have all the technology we need, but we are not using it. We are not allowing our young to do what needs to be done because we are giving them wrong message. So they go go on the street and discriminate. I am very worried the way we have handled. Corona crisis. It tells me that we don't have logistics on the ground. We don't have management skills to do some of these. But I know we have human resource. So I think it is time for us to think beyond petty politics, petty parties, and think about the future of 1.3 billion people. And also, think about the future of 7.8 billion people. India can show a way to the world. I say in this book that there are two visions today of the world. American vision and Chinese vision. I talk about a third vision of the world, which is rooted in network, networking of nations, which is rooted in truth, trust, nonviolence, inclusion. So that's the message I have. I hope I've been able to convey some of these thoughts. I'm thankful to people of India for all the love and affection they have shown me in my journey on connectivity. Kerala has been very special to me. People from Kerala have shown direction to India on many issues. Literacy, human indicators, and we don't need to go abroad to learn these things. Kerala is a great example in India, even for inclusion. And we need to take that message to other parts of India. Kerala can show us direction in many, many ways. People from Kerala are all over the world. When I go to Australia or I'm in the U.S., or Europe, or Middle East. They are everywhere. They are very successful. I salute them. I encourage all their efforts in India and abroad, and I wish them all the best. I wish your program, C2 Sky, of 24 USA, all the best. And I hope I'll be of some value to you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Dr. Sampitroda. Uh, in fact, uh, what a kind of narration of the transformations. Transformation from an idealist to a man of ideas. Transformation of a nation from uh, this, uh, the stature of what we had in 1960s to 2011. The single word you used to, to connect all these things, that is connectivity, is the story of connectivity and it's an idea of connectivity that is going to alter or redesign the nature of the world. Thank you uh, Dr. Sam Petroda for your wonderful narration on that. I think uh, we have a special guest with us, um, Sri uh, T.P. Srinivasan, former ambassador to the United States of America. Of course, um, Sri T.P. Srinivasan uh, will be having something to add to what um, Sam Pitroda spoke about. Uh, connectivity and redesign the world, or realigning the world and the visions. Can we have a third vision, India uh, and the networking of nations, uh, besides USA vision and a Chinese vision? Welcome, P. Srinivasan.
2: Thank you, Arun. Thank you, Christina, for this splendid opportunity to respond very briefly to the brilliant presentation of Mr. Sampethroda. In my view, the role of Sampethroda in Indian history is that as an overseas Indian, He responded to the call of Rajiv Gandhi to return to India to build the nation. He was a pioneer in that. Many thousands of people were invited. But he is the one who responded quickly and transformed India. And that is how he has earned a place in the history of the technological revolution of India, by heeding the call of Prime Minister Rajiv Gandhi. This was clear in his presentation. I have had the privilege of listening to him, watching him for years together during my own stay in the United States. I've always been inspired by the patriotism and the technological linkage that he brought about between India and the United States. He did not mention it, but even today, he is working as the chairman of the overseas Indian Congress and uh, uniting the democratic forces in the United States, in the Indian community, it's playing a big role. I have a link there because one of my colleagues in the Indian embassy, Dr. Arati Krishna, is now working with him. And therefore I'm in constant touch with the contribution Thank you. that he's making Thank you. For, the, for the enlightenment of Indian communities in different parts of the world. Yes, connectivity. But he brought in what is called hyper-connectivity. And that is what is going to transform the world. And the other word that we must note is trust. He said trust is lacking. What he was able to accomplish in India is basically because of the trust he had of the prime minister. And uh, and that enabled him to function effectively. Many people came back to India with great ambitions, but they could not make the kind of mark that he did because they did not have the trust of the leader of the country at that time. Well, we, just one more point, if I could make, we are in a real crisis in the world today. And this crisis, you refer to it. You refer to it. But um, the important thing about it is that technology has become a savior of humanity at the time of the pandemic. As we can now communicate with the world, even through triple lockdowns. This is not something that we had expected. We knew, I had heard a lot of time, Mr. Sampitroza talking about online education. I think 10 or 12 years ago, he was talking about universities without buildings. That was one of his visions. But I don't think even he expected that the pandemic would bring this closer to us. You cannot imagine without connectivity how humanity would have survived this serious crisis that we are facing. If I may raise one question with him, if he has a chance to respond to it Mm -hmm. during his next uh, conversation. The last uh, Davos Economic Summit, this was before the pandemic. You know, today who is a person who is recognized as the prophet of technology, he's not a technologist. Yuval Harari, who is a historian, a Jewish historian who has now become the prophet of the future of technology, made a very important point. He said that the world will not um, suffer on account of or what the world will suffer in the future will not be nuclear weapons or wars, but human beings becoming redundant on because of the development of technology. This is a frightening thought. He said that human beings will become useless because technology will take us over. Whether this prediction is coming to true or not, this is something that we have to be aware about because every technology must be controlled. It should not take over mankind. It should always remain within the control of human mind and intelligence. And whether this is an aspect that uh, Mr. Pitroda considers, Harari, as you know, has now become the spokesperson of, uh, he writes history not only of the past but of the future. So this kind of... uh, very fearsome prospect that he painted before us of human beings becoming worthless because of the machines. Is that a possibility or do you think that we can always control technology to be of benefit to mankind? So welcome, Sampitraudha, to the Kerala community, though indirectly from a long distance. We really enjoyed your conversation. It was inspiring and we hope to continue this dialogue with you in the future through Channel 24.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you, T.P. Srinivasan. I welcome Sampitradha for your uh, response to the question.
2: Thank
5: you. First of all, thank you for uh, your very generous comments. Mr. Srinivasan, I know you well and we have interacted uh, in the past. The question you have raised is the most important question. I believe technology is the servant of mankind. We create technology to help us facilitate our life. Today, for generations, we have been working 40 hours a week to survive. When robotics and AI and IOT and all that comes up, it is going to give you and me more free time to explore humanity large number of people spend their life making living and they have no time to explore anything. They can hardly pay for their food. Technology is going to allow them to have food at almost no cost. Transportation would be free. Energy would be free. We will not work 40 hours a week. We may work 20 hours a week. We will not have one job. We may have multiple jobs. I could be a technocrat, barber, painter, sweeper in my house, gardener. But I will have more free time to explore this world. I'll be able to travel. I'll be able to spend more time with grandchildren, which I don't do today. So I think technology is going to allow me to explore humanity and planet. Because at the end of the day, as I said earlier, only two things matter, planet and people. Technology is only going to do our job that we want to do. So if we have to paint a car, I don't need 10 people with a brush painting a car. Robot will paint it for me. But we will design the robot we will tell robot when to paint, how to paint, how many cars to paint. So it has taken a job away from painter. That's okay. Because painter is now going to upgrade his or her job. But don't think of job as a 40 hour a week in a company with pension, with retirement benefit. That phase is over. That concept of work when you work for one company, doesn't exist anymore. Companies don't take care of their employees. They take care of their shareholders. They hire and fire people. So we, in a sense, get empowered. If I don't get hired and fired, I don't get empowered. I just stay in one job doing routine things, stamping every day, eight hours a day. What kind of a dumb job that is? When you fire me, you are really challenging me to go do something interesting, exciting, explore. So I see a different side of this than Hariri does. I know Hariri well, you know. But you see, these people have not worked on technology themselves. My advantage is I worked on vacuum tubes. I've designed products with transistors. I was then when Intel was formed. I know bits and bytes. I know integrated circuits, connections, all of that. And experiencing technology is different from working in technology. If somebody says, this is $200, I can look at in my hand and say, no, this is $180. Why? Don't ask me why. I have no justification. But I know my guts. So my faith in technology is this is our servant. This is not our master. This is going to do what we want them to do. And I'm not going to do what this device wants me to do. Okay, That's the difference. When I talk to my grandchildren, I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm going to use phone. Technology is not going to eat for me. Technology is not going to have, you know, it's not going to breathe for me. So I would say we have huge potential ahead of us to exploit and use technology to our benefit so that we can grow more food, better food, better nutrition at low cost, better housing at low cost, less hours to work to survive. Transportation, I don't need four cars. I can order a car on cell phone, automatic car will come, drive me, take me wherever I want. I don't need garage, I don't need insurance, I don't need parking lot, I don't need driver's license. I have a little battery in the back of my house which will provide me electricity and I don't need to be part of a power generation scheme. All of this is gonna happen because this thing is empowering you. This to me is a window to the world. I can go visit Guggenheim Museum on it. I can go to Moscow right now and visit the Hermitage Museum. I can see the flight from Delhi to Ahmedabad. When will it arrive? I can do all kinds of things. This is for me. I'm not for this. That's the difference. Thank you for asking the question. And I hope I have given a little bit of feel for how I see this.
0: Ah, yeah, Definitely, it will be an apt, an apt reply to Harari on that and I think uh, the technology will not not master the minds of human beings but rather the minds will master the technology and uh, thereby redesigning the world around us. Uh, I think um, we have a lot of questions uh, already um, uh, sent by some people and now I will introduce one master technologist uh, from Calicut. Uh, I will introduce him, he is Rudain Shias, only 16 years of old he developed two calculator uh, two calculator applications, one is Draculator he called and another one is Draculator Pro and again he developed, he's from Calicut, the northern district of Kerala, is a plus one student from KVPL GHSS, Master Rudain Shias, now Master uh, Rudain Shias, now you can shoot your questions to uh, Dr. Sampitroda.
5: Where are you? I want to see your face.
0: Yeah, Rudeen, please show your face to the man who shows the
5: entire
6: world the face of
5: yes, India. Yes, yes. Yes, man, My name is yes, Rudeen.
6: <laughs> it's a pleasure to meet you.
5: Ah, I see you. Thank you.
6: So, sir, uh, my question is that it's about artificial intelligence. Well, uh, people like Elon Musk and Sir Stephen Hawking Uh, They had warned us about the harm that AI could bring to us human beings. And uh, if my memory is correct, uh, Stephen Hawking even uh, quoted that uh, AI could spell the end of human race. So even after these uh, news, these great people have been saying the developments for AI is still going on. So what is your opinion about this and what will happen if we allow to grow such a thing in front of us? Will it outgrow us or like said before, will it be the cause for human extinction?
5: See, it is like knife. I'm sure when knife was invented, people said this is going to be the end of humanity. You can take knife and kill everybody, but you can you know, slice a fruit, and you can also kill somebody. So technology is a double-edged sword. Social media, people are misusing it, but people are also using it. Nuclear bomb is another example. So there are hundreds of examples in technology. It's a tool. Most use it, some misuse it. But you can't say because some issues that that's the end of humanity. That's a little going too far. AI is nothing, it is just, you know, it's a tool. How do we use it? We may want to use AI to recognize bad tomato, bad potato from image processing. We may use AI for some other medical information data, and we can use AI for profiling people and prevent them from entering a building. It's okay. No big deal. So don't worry. There'll be a lot many more technology. Technology is not about electronics. Technology is not about satellite and AI and robotics. Technology is also about stem cell research, biotech, nanotech, materials, energy, environment. Unfortunately, when we think of technology, we think of satellites and software. And that's one little piece of the puzzle. Okay. There is whole new field for human development. Okay. Health. Look, I'm 79 year old. I had two quadruple bypasses. I'm cut all over. I had cancer, but I'm doing great. Why? Thanks to technology. So I have a positive view of technology. Okay, I feel like I'm a 30-year-old. Okay, I work 12 hours a day. How can I say technology is negative? No. Have faith, because you and I will make technology positive. You will decide how to use technology. Your generation will define what AI can do for you and what AI can't do for you. So I'm delighted to have interaction with you. I wish you all the best, and we need you, more sir. young people like thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep at it. Be positive. Thank you, sir. Don't listen to all this negative you, crap. Okay.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tijan. And I think we move to the next person, right?
1: Yeah. yeah.
5: Okay. Thank
0: next you. Next
1: person is from Manu Kamin. He is from Mangalore, India presently he is doing phd in aerospace engineering at university of cincinnati i am very delighted to invite manu Kamin because he is my former student
5: oh good okay
7: uh, hello everyone yeah i'm fine sir how are you good <laughs> it's uh, really nice to be a part of this discussion thank you and i have a question for you yes, sir. Uh, this is with regard to uh, 5g technology in uh, indian context you know, it's one thing that uh, 5G has arrived in India. But the thing is, my question is, are we uh, adopting all the latest technologies uh, uh, that actually take uh, uh, advantage of the capabilities that 5G has to offer? For instance, let's say things like autonomous driving, uh, internet of things, some of these examples which require 5G technology. If you're not adopting those technologies, then the benefit of uh, 5G itself, uh, itself
5: seems uh, limited. No, not I would like to know your thoughts on this. First of all, it's not true. Okay. okay. What is not true is that 5G technology is not about just IoT. 5G technology is more about speed, more about latency, and all of these things are important in education and health. Okay, What is missing though in India is good Indian content. I don't want to use 5G technology for all the gadgets that America uses because my model of development cannot be America. Unfortunately, the world thinks America is the only model of development. Everybody wants to be like America. It's not possible because there are 300 million people and three times the land we have. So let's not copy more power to America, but we need Indian model of development. So we need local content, local language, okay? So it's not about self-driven car. Just because America has self-driven car, I don't need self-driven car. It'll be nice, but before I have self-driven car, I want food for 400 million, million people. I want better agriculture. I want better distribution. I want better delivery. I want better vaccines, OK? So don't compare development in terms of what Western world thinks development is. So people say, oh, we got 5G. We don't have self-driven cars, so we are poor. Forget it. I don't need self-driven car for a while. So think of Indian model of development. When we all come to America, we get impressed, rightfully so. But then we stop thinking of the reality of the world. We immediately compare, oh, America has this, India doesn't have that. No, India has a lot more that America also doesn't have. Music, food, sound, smell, diversity, culture, temples, Taj Mahal, you name it, okay? So we have to look at localization and globalization simultaneously don't forget localization okay
0: thank you thank you dr sam and thank you uh, sri Manu come in um, and i think that's a wonderful idea uh, that uh, technology development is not universal but rather very specific to the context yeah please yeah i can hear you yeah yeah fine um the the development or technology or innovations, they are not universal in nature, but it's very specific to the context in which it, they are applied. Uh, it's, I think the women are, uh, gives that kind of an idea about development. Uh, now, I think um, I invite uh, Mr. Sadiq A, Dean uh, from Kerala Technical University. Uh, Dr. Sadik, please.
4: Thank you very much for the opportunity to have interaction with Dr. Sam Petroda. I think you can hear me, right? Yes, very yeah. well. Okay. Sorry. thank you. I really am enlightened to hear the journey of your life, so, like on know the development and, and I happen to hear that uh, uh, you have imagined about universities in online around 15 years back, and that's happening now. Today you spoke about uh, like hyperconnectivity, and you are telling that the design of the world will be different maybe after 20 or 25 years. So in that context, I was thinking, how do you think what will be the kind of uh, communication the kind of industries the kind of possibilities with the connectivity maybe after 20 25 years
5: okay. I would recommend you as a professor to read this book
8: okay definitely I will do that Get it from
5: on. read it because it will give you different ideas and you will come up with something totally different than I have thought about okay because okay. we need more people I'll do that to begin a conversation. I don't have all the answers. Please, I'm not capable humanly. But we need a lot many more people to join this idea of redesigning. So the industry of the future, if you look at it, I would say food is going to be transformed completely with new technology hyper-connectivity. How? We're going to have more nutritious food. We are going to have fresh food. We are going to have different kind of food. We are going to have food in abundance. We are going to use satellite imagery, geohydrological surveys. We are going to map everything. So how much corn is grown, how much wheat is grown, where, best quality. All that will happen through technology. Today it's all random. It's still very primitive in terms of technology. So I see food as a major, major area of innovations. I see health as another major area of innovation. People like Manu will live to be 150. They won't let you die. They will replace your body parts, like auto parts. Okay, and that's where technology is going to play an important role. Aging will not imply white hair like me. They'll fix it. Okay, it'll imply black hair like Manu has. Okay. There is a lot to be done. All our animal population, our cows, our buffaloes, our goats, our birds, our bees, they are also going to benefit from technology. We have cut our jungles, forest. We will revive our forest. We will re-extinguish Even dinosaurs will create new dinosaurs out of genetic. I mean, this is crazy, but it's going to happen. maybe hundred years, okay? We're going to control our climate better. Take, for example, jungles of Amazon. You know they are cutting left and right. but those jungles affect the rest of the world. It's not just Brazilian jungle. So we'll have to grow those jungles back. Himalaya mountains are not just Indian mountains. They are global heritage. So this idea of India, Pakistan, you know, Nepal and all this will have a different meaning because we all will have to share. We breathe same air. We can't separate Pakistani air and Indian air. Okay. So I think technology is going to really enlighten human beings. For the first time in the human history, we are all connected. All 8 billion people are connected. What does this connectivity mean? Does it mean that we use this connectivity to do the same thing we have been doing in the past? Or we use this connectivity to do things which we have never done in the past? I think that's a fundamental question. We want to use connectivity to do things we have never done before. And then we will be able to provide opportunities to everybody in this world. African poverty is everybody's problem. It's not Africa's problem. You've seen what Corona crisis did. Coronavirus did not distinguish between black and white, men and women, young and old, rich and poor. It affected everybody. What it says is that we are all same and we must respect that. And technology is going to be used for the mankind and for the planet. Okay. I don't know whether I answered your question.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Sam and Dr. Uh, Sadiq. Dr. Sadiq, uh, this book, Redesign the World, is now available on the Amazon and you can have it for 314 rupees for the oh, kingdom a, I didn't Edition. know that.
5: That's good. I mean, I <laughs>
0: Thank you. we will move
1: to the next one. Okay. Next is the chance of Pushpa Joseph Gerald. She is a teacher from Cambridge International School, UAE. Pushpa Joseph Gerald, you can ask your question to Dr. Sam Petroda. Thank you, Christina, for giving me a small brief here. Good morning, respected Mr. Sam and greetings to all my fellow listeners. Uh, So my, uh, what I would like to ask you is, uh, yeah, definitely we are so proud that our India has achieved an immense growth in the field of telecommunication with the revolution of IT. Uh, So my question is, now you have spoken about, I hope I'm audible to you, right, sir? Yes, very much so. Thank you so much. So, you have spoken about the hyper connectivity and the redesigning of India. So my, what I would like to ask you is, how this resolution, this revolution, can bring changes to the life of the local entrepreneurs and the local talents, who still has no access to phone or internet, okay? Or how this revolutionary changes that you foresee is needed to ensure that almost all the people across India are achieving the uh, financial sustainability.
5: First this of all, my... yeah. First of all, almost everyone has phone. If out of billion people, 100 million don't have phone, that doesn't mean much. It's like literacy. If 85% are literate, we consider 100% literate. So first, let's accept the fact that everyone has access to phone, plus or minus 100 million. But those 100 million also don't have access to water, education, food. So the glass empty or glass full? Okay, glass is full. Let's see what we can do. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't work on those who are left out. We should work on that. Okay, some should work on them, some should work on glass full. Okay, so at the end of the day, the real challenge in India is income distribution, wealth distribution. It's not a socialist idea. It is a humanist idea. So when Congress party announced that we will give 6,000 rupees to every poor per month, scheme called Nyai, that was not socialist idea. If they don't have money, what will they do? So you got to give them money, okay? You can't say, I'll keep all the money. I have all the money in the bank, and I'll earn 1% interest, but I won't give it to the guy who is hungry. So the idea is to move wealth as much as possible from urban to rural. How do we do this? Because today, all wealth is generated in urban areas. But can we move some jobs to rural? We should be able to. Take, for example, in the middle of Mumbai city, you may have 50,000 insurance agents who are filling in all the forms. They don't need to be in the heart of the city on laptop. They could be in multiple villages. So with hyper-connectivity, a lot of these jobs can go out. Okay, When those jobs go out in rural areas, high-paying jobs create prosperity in rural areas, buying power. So we need systematic policies to move income from urban to rural. See, if you look at the farmer's agitation today, I look at that very differently than how political bosses and everybody looks at it. To me, what they are saying is, please assure my income. You are on a path to hurt my income that my profit will be taken away by rich guy guy who has the money. And I'll become their servant. So you're going to take rural income to urban area. Stop that. That's what they are saying. Then they are saying that assure better future to my children. Make sure that they get education. So I need some extra income. You know, not that I just have to eat, but I also have to educate them. I want to see a better future for my children. So if you bring in private party, all these rich guys in the agriculture, they will buy my land and I'll just tilt their land. And it will be a slavery. That's their mindset. Right or wrong, we can debate that later on. Okay. But they are right in saying, hey, you are attacking me. And I'm not going to be party to it. So they are saying, "Show me how you are going to bring urban wealth to rural India, and not take rural wealth to urban India." That's it. That's how we have to think.
0: Okay. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Sam. Actually, that's a wonderful um, hypothesis that uh, hyperconnectivity leads to. Uh, better distributive justice uh, by distributing resources locally
5: and regionally. Hyperconnectivity... See, if I was a farmer, if I was a farmer with hyperconnectivity, my son can be a lawyer in Delhi mm-hmm. but still live in a village.
0: Yeah, that's a that, that's a that's a wonderful um, articulation. Hyperconnectivity leads to better distribution of resources. And uh, it has a say in distributive justice, ensuring distributive justice. Thank you, Dr. Sam. And we will move to the next question. Um, S. Adhikeshwan, who is a, a chief general manager of SBI. Uh, S. Adhikeshwan, please.
9: Uh, good morning to you, Dr. Sam Pitroda. And thanks to 24 News, Dr. Adun, Christina, and my respected friend, Srikanda Nair. Great privilege, uh, respected Sam Pitroda, to be engaging with you. I listened to you and the ideations uh, which had come up during the course of uh, this webinar or this concourse of ideas, fascinated by the outcome. Having said that, I would like to briefly state for the record that because you spoke a little bit of politics, I would like to state that I differ with the articulation of that kind of stand. And because uh, this is probably
5: not the kind kind of stand. Can you clarify?
9: uh, I shall, uh, of course. uh, But uh, only thing is we probably, if you permit, can engage with each other uh, at a different time. To discuss that
5: no, i don't even yes. know what you are referring to i'm just trying to put in my head what you are referring to
9: no i'm i, I was referring to the fact that in india today uh, you are troubled by the developments in india i am of the narrow the ideology i'm very of the approach, so on and so forth so i don't agree with that i, and I, I respect believe... that i respect that yeah. yeah yeah okay so 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 that's it Now I get into the most important aspect of what you had articulated, that this connectivity is something which I believe based on my banking experience, can revolutionize the outcomes for people who are on the margins of society, who are disadvantaged, who uh, are tilling on the fields, the farmers of India. And as you know, uh, 86 to 90% of Indian farmers are small and marginal farmers, owning hand perceived size of plots of land. And anything that we intervene and make them connected is going to make a huge difference to the outcome at the national level. And even as I say this, I am in tune with what you have articulated that we should also be thinking of one world, one health, one outcome. So I'm not Indian in even articulating this benefit to the Indian farmer, because I am equally concerned about what is happening to the African farmer, to farmers in Southeast Asia, so on and so forth. Now I'll come to some of the developments which have happened in the last five or six years, which are making a difference on the ground. Uh, One key thing which has made a difference is the number of bank accounts owned by people on the margins of society, in 2015 was about 12 crore, 120 million. I'm now out. it is 46 crore because of a concerted effort by the establishment currently in, 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 in operation in India, which I believe is a positive development. Now I'll just come to my point. It has made, how has it made a difference when the government wanted to transfer something on the lines of NIAID i see only a degree of difference between the nyay that okay. you are trying to articulate and the kind of nyay which the current establishment has done it is only in degree now within a matter of a few
5: hours transfer of money i know that because i set the standards you may not know this no no i, I, I was I, the head I, of I, the, I was the head of the payment committee which led the standards so i am aware of it it's good excellent excellent Absolutely. so i appreciate that it's very good yeah yeah so excellent
9: so wha- now my question is i find on the ground there is a problem as you may be aware feed, feed, farmers have feature phones but not not
5: smartphones
9: that we is one problem
5: pretty soon yeah
9: yeah the second aspect which is what is interesting to me when you started this you know telecom revolution I was at college, or maybe in my younger days. The PCO revolution was something which we felt the public call office. No? So, can we think? How do you measure the economic viability and the feasibility of setting okay. up Wi-Fi booths across the country, okay,
0: where okay. people I, can? I, use... I think, Mr. Uh, Mr. Mr. When I think he will answer to this uh, question briefly because uh, you know we have. No, I understand what you're waiting. saying, and I
5: appreciate yeah. you know your. Yeah.
9: So, so so my yeah. question is regarding Wi-Fi booths similar to PCO booths. Uh, yeah. how do you see that? Yeah, sure. that's all. Sorry. If there is a business if model,
5: if there is a business model, I think entrepreneurs should come forward and set up a Wi-Fi booth if there is a business model. If there is no business model, maybe government should subsidize it. But you need a champion of Wi-Fi right. booth, and it'll get done. You find an entrepreneur who sees a business model and see an opportunity to make money and he'll do it and if he can't do it and if there is no business model maybe government should subsidize it okay. good Great idea. idea the idea thanks is to indeed. connect idea yeah. is to connect farmers it has to be done i'm with you thanks thanks indeed
0: thank you thank you dr Samantha. for all the speakers uh, waiting uh, please ensure that uh, your questions will not be uh, over 30 seconds please
5: and i will also make sure that the answers are short
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. fine, fine, fine. <laughs> so, next question is from Dr. Vishwanath Koti, he is assistant professor at Ramaya Institute of Technology, Bangalore. Dr. Vishwanath Koti, you can ask me a question to Dr. Sam Pitrola.
10: Hello, greetings to uh, Sri Sam Ji. Yes, sir.
2: Uh,
10: I am Vishwanath Koti and I am a faculty in MS Ramajan College, Bangalore and I am from mechanical engineering uh, department. Uh, my question to you is uh, uh, how well uh, we can uh, uh, take IT or uh, artificial intelligence in uh, improving uh, process optimization when you talk about in traditional industries like foundries and machine shops, where still some of the uh, process are carried out in conventional uh, ways. How can we bring around uh, 95% of automation in these industries and in this process?
5: Great question, Professor. I appreciate your asking this question. Thank you. I'll tell you a couple of examples from my own personal experiences, which really focus on helping small and medium-scale industries. People like you should help us as a nation to really bring new technology to SMEs. Big boys don't need you anymore. They are smart, they have lots of money and they will get things done. But what is needed is all our small scale industry people have not really benefited from IT, automation, AI, machine learning, graphics, all of that. I'll give you one example. When we were working on the Innovation Council, We learned that Muradabad, in India, had 500,000 people working on brassware. It's a cluster, brassware cluster. You know, in India, we have lots of clusters. Their furnace was not designed or was designed 70 years ago. So we hired three, four professors from IIT to redesign the furnace. When they redesigned the furnace, productivity went up by 50% and the lung disease went down substantially. All we needed was to get three, four professors to solve their problem. But professors are not connected with them. Professors are doing some high-level stuff at international conferences. They are not solving the problems of the poor. They are solving the problems of the rich. World over, best brains are busy solving problems of the rich who don't have problems to solve. As a result, problems of the poor don't get the right talent. So if someone like you says, I'm going to go look at the local SME and see what are their problems. And how can five professors like you, one mechanical, one electrical, one material, whatever, you will make a huge contribution. But you need to go, you need to listen to them, you need to understand them, because they don't speak your language, and you don't speak their language. Okay, What they consider important may not be important. And you will find out that, hey, I can solve this problem. Another problem we solved, which was very interesting, is that all the kids of the brass factory people would come from school and spend that time polishing brassware for two, three hours. So I called the head of CSIR. Okay. And I said to him, I said, can you come up with a liquid that will wipe as opposed to brush? So Dr. Brahmachari said, okay, we'll do it. They spent six months. They came up with a liquid to wipe brassware as opposed to polish it. It saved millions of hours of young children's school time. This is how technology can help. But nobody looks at these things. You know, you go to our bamboo workers and you find that they need better cutting machines. Okay, you look at our farmers, their tools have not been redesigned. You look at our scavengers, they don't have mechanical tools that they need, OK? Why do they have to do it the same way they have been doing for hundreds of years? OK, why can't we design tools for scavengers? Nobody pays attention to it, OK? So I think you raised a very important question. Thank you.
10: Thank you, Thank you,
0: Thank you Dr. Sam. And uh, I think uh, next one to speak uh, to ask the question was actually K Anubhasaadhar. Uh, Dr. Sam, this Anubhasaadhar wrote about you uh, in a weekly in uh, Kerala, I think a few months back of uh, Digital Kerala of uh, Sam Pitoda. Actually he was equating, uh, making a small biographical sketch of you and relating your- um, Kerala has been very
5: generous to me. Kerala. <laughs> Kerala people have loved me. I thank them for all the love and affection they have shown and i hope this conversation is useful today
0: yeah yeah definitely of course uh, i think uh, since Canvas uh, Sadat is not online i think we will hey, we have to move on
1: to the next question and the next question is from VK adarsh a banker by profession and a science and technology writer VK adarsh you can ask your question
8: hello sir yes sir how are you fine 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 and my question is, uh, you did a lot with Rajiv Gandhi, at that time, the technological innovation, which reshaped that entire telecom, uh, that connectivity in India. And your C-DOT exchange was a, actually, it was a tremendous change at that time. You, how you manage the bureaucracy? Because at that time, it was Department of Telecom. You have to manage bureaucracy, you have to manage political people. And soon after Rajiv Gandhi's exit, the BPC came, then ki. How these two governments inculcated the habit, the change you have done in telecom department and how, 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 how was the experience?
5: Okay. See first, CDOT was set up as an independent society. Government funded, but with autonomy, freedom, flexibility. So it wasn't part of a bureaucracy. It was structured by design as a society. Like TIFR. Okay. So we could keep C dot work away from day-to-day bureaucracy. When C dot work was to be implemented in the field, bureaucracy resisted. Head of the te- telecom department did not want to do it. So I went to Rajiv Gandhi and I said, Look, I have to be the head of the telecom department. It's too bad. But then I had a level of minister of state. And if you become secretary, you lose that status. I said, I don't care. It doesn't mean anything to me. So I became chairman of Telecom Commission. So I could make the right decision in favor of using CDOT exchanges everywhere, OK, to really support CDOT in the way it should have been supported. If I had not been there, they would have killed it, okay. Then made all the policy decisions in favor of indigenous development, in favor of accessibility as opposed to telephone density, local production, local talent, local software, and all of that. Then in technology missions, we created organizational architecture, which was focused on delivering results. So bureaucracy was kept on check. The best way to deal with bureaucracy is to go public and inform what we are going to do, how we are going to do it and get media on your side. So they become the greatest people to monitor you. If you make mistakes, media tells you, "Hey." This is not right. There's something fishy going on here. They do your job. And I must tell you that the support of media was unbelievable. They really kept us on track. So that's how it happened.
0: Uh, Dr. sub that's wonderful, <laughs> but actually I doubt whether the person situation permits you to speak like this, uh, because the conditions, the context, uh, got changed a lot in terms of democracy, what you said, and the role of That's why I said it earlier. I'm worried because driver. of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and anyway, I invite an next person, Mr. Devadas Rajaram, Assistant Professor, Asian School of Journalism, a media person from the group, please.
9: Uh, thank you, 24, uh, for uh, providing this opportunity and uh, good morning, Sam. Thank uh, you. Sir. My question is very, I will make it very quick for you. Since I come from journalism background, I would like to know your thoughts on how this 5G technology is going to
2: change the media industry, in particular in this country?
5: I think 5G technology, as I said earlier, is all about speed and latency. See, today if I want to download lots of data, it is slow, it is expensive, and I have to wait for too long. So, On one hand, I want information now, immediately. I can't do it. If I want to download a movie, it may take me 10 minutes. I'm going to download in 30 seconds. So that's what 5G technology will do. That's all it does. Faster, lots of capacity. So if you are in media and you want to know something, boom, you push a button, it's right there. You don't have to wait. You can store a lot of stuff. I mean, look at just this phone, you know, three cameras, you know, and everybody has this phone. Everybody can afford it. I mean, not to the extent, but, you know, basic idea is that it has a lot of power. 5G is a lot more power in between, not at the device level, but to get here. Right now, to get here and go from here is pretty slow. Okay. That's what it does. Thank you. Thank you, Doctor Sir.
0: Now, move to Manu,
1: right? So, from Manu Sekaria, cyber security specialist and author of three books. So, from a cyber security specialist to the father of IT revolution. Please.
5: Well, maybe I'll learn something from Manu. Manu, where are
10: you? Yeah. Uh, can you can you hear me, sir? I just got unmuted okay. by okay. the uh, admin. Uh, Good morning, sir, and thank you everyone for allowing me. It was a wonderful uh, inspirational speech. Uh, Due to time limitation, I'll I'll cut short my question. Uh, I came across a very interesting quote, uh, which says, a technology that can give you everything that you want is a technology that can take everything from you. So uh, my question is on cyber resilience or digital resilience. Most of the technology transformation is happening. Everybody is adopting technology, but a lot of incidents are also happening. For example, the pipeline attack, uh, which Absolutely. happened last month Absolutely. and the Air India attack. So do you think is this a hype or do you think uh, there is a serious threat like information warfare or cyber dominance? What's your perspective on this is the first question. Second was on digital divide, but already it's it's answered, so I'll not get into that. The third point I'll I'll quickly uh, ask is like, you have worked in India as well as in US. So what do you think? Do you think India is doing good when it comes to technology innovation? For example, most of the products that we use daily, for example, Zoom or any of these products, These are not developed in India, but probably an Indian is playing uh, a major role in the background, but not from India. So what's your view on this? So one is cyber resilience and second is innovation, your perspective.
5: Both questions require 30 minutes each to answer. (laughs) Okay, but let's try. Cyber security is definitely a real threat. Okay. It is like anything else. We need to really be one step ahead of the game because the hackers are already advanced. So it's an ongoing thing. It is not going to go away. We have to accept it as a way of life. We may need multiple duplicated sites. So if one goes bad, another can be turned on automatically. See, in telephony, we are used to a downtime of half an hour in 20 years. In computers, people are not used to that. They can have a downtime of two hours every month. So we think differently. We think in terms of duplicated copies, self-healing control, automatically it heals. So if somebody is entering here and attacking you, you turn this thing off and take a different path. That technology has not become common in computer system. Maybe it will over a period of time. But security is definitely a threat. Privacy is a threat, but it has a different meaning now. You know it. OK, you're a security expert. So you know more about this than I do. OK, why are you asking me question? I should be asking you question. OK. And the second one Thank was you. Thank I, you. We don't develop. Thank you, problems. Dr. Sir. So just one quickly, we do not develop products. Yeah. I agree with you, I sympathize with you because we don't have the ecosystem, nor do we have the risk appetite required to develop products. Everybody wants to make quick money. Nobody wants to risk in developing products. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Dr. Sam thank you, uh, Srimanu. And uh, we're moving to Incent in- Insanjos is from UK is a biomedical
2: engineer. Instant, please. Hi, San Yes, sir. Good morning. Good morning. Hope you're doing well, yeah. Uh, Samji, my question is regarding the uh, medical data uh, that has
0: been collected by the private hospitals within the country. So my question is that, is that data collected within the country is secured? And as the country is progressing towards, or the world is progressing towards a global EPR project or electronic patient record project, how will the
2: data collected within different private hospitals in the state and in the country will be used uh, for the global marketing kind of thing? So do you think uh, the government of India have to put some catches over the data collected uh, by the hospital uh, using the electronic patient record?
5: Every country has their own data policy. And all of these countries vary. To me, patient data is not hospital data. It is patient data. I need to be control of my health data and not hospital, which has not happened. Because all these big guys want to control your data because they monetize the data and I don't. So when Googles of the world or Facebooks of the world collect my data, they monetize it. I don't get anything out of it. Okay. Except maybe free use of search engine. So this whole business is very complicated business right now. Security is also connected with it because security is compromised mainly because you can come into my laptop and take everything you want because of the cookies and all that. Without my permission, okay? I don't have control of what you take out of my laptop. So I think we have evolved to a point we need very serious thinking on data policy at a global level. Okay, Whose data is it? Who can use it? How much it can be used? What does he get out of it? So the data is not hospital data. It is my data. It's a very complicated issue. We are still in infancy. Thank you.
0: Thank you, um, Dr. Sam. And uh, I think we'll move to the next okay.
1: one. MSc first year student, Purnima, from VLB college, wants to ask you a question, sir. Purnima, please ask you a question.
11: Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Hello, sir. Uh, hope you're doing well.
5: Yes, Purnima, Thank you.
11: Yes, yeah, sir. Uh, I'm so excited in talking to you. Actually, I'm so much uh, nervous. Like I'll just. How come, how come
5: we don't see your face? Yes,
11: yeah, so like uh, my, uh, Like my uh, like my camera is having a little bit of troubleshooting issue. I'm so sorry for it, sir. No problem. Yeah. So my question is that uh, technology is used in education. It differs from one public school to another private school. So in India, can we expect a uniformity in uh, technology being experienced by students? I don't think can so. A uniformity- I don't think so. <laughs> Okay, sir, okay, so Jill, okay, it's fine, okay, then I'll want another question, sir. So like uh talking about agriculture, aquaponics, and everything, so like for the newer generation of kids who are like learning the uh, iot based technologies and everything, uh, they're getting into farming very quickly, but then farmers who have been uh, in this field for many uh, number of years, they don't uh, find it easily adapted so uh, do do we think that there is a lack of awareness for them to bring into this technology field? Or do we have to work on that, sir? It's like, how can we bring uh, course, a gap any, that...
5: Any time you bring new technology, you got to educate people. You got to train them. You got to make them feel comfortable. And it's not an easy process. Okay. If you are young, you can be self-trained because they are very curious. If you are old, it's difficult. I have a difficult time managing my remote control on TV. And I'm a techie person. My grandchildren know how to do it better than I do. That's the way of life. Okay. So we have to educate people in many of these tools.
11: Yes, sir. Thank you. uh, Yeah,
0: thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Punima and um, uh, Dr. Sam. And uh, one more question from uh, one uh, Michelle Matthew from Kela. Uh,
1: Michael Matthew. Is it Michael Matthew? Yeah, he's right. an entrepreneur. Okay, fine. Yeah. Michael, please.
0: Michael. I think we'll move to the next person. Salim uh, from Finland.
2: Salim Nizas. Wow, oh, you have people from all over.
0: Yeah, yeah, from oh, different oh. continents.
2: <laughs> Uh, hello sir uh, I'm, yes, I'm sorry sir. my camera is not working so no problem I just want to ask you a brief question Please. so uh, 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 India is facing a number of issues you know like uh, the have Covid crisis plummeting economy, and you know ten million uh, people are uh, talents are influxing into the job market every month and what how what's going to be the future? How do you see the future and also you know especially in the context where Uh, China is predominantly increasing its footprint in the digital technology uh, map. It's up to the people of India. People of India
5: will have to decide which way they want to go. Government of India will have to decide the destiny of the nation. Yeah. And destiny of the nation cannot be decided by looking at the past and remaining in past. It has to be decided by creating a new vision. Definitely. Open, being transparent, being democratic, you know, yeah. Yeah. allowing institutions the autonomy right. they need.
2: Yeah.
5: Allowing, you know, um, civil society to participate. Encourage NGOs yeah. Work by individuals. Yeah. Develop scientific mindset. And when somebody okay. says, that cow's urine is going to be good for corona, react, and say that's not true. Okay. Definitely. If you don't do all these things, you got a problem. Okay. If you are only interested in winning elections yeah. by saying all kinds of things and exciting people, fine. You win election, that's great. What does that do for the nation? Definitely. Is the all question up. you have to ask. Sure. Um, people have to ask. Okay. People have to say, look, I can believe this person because based on the, you know, work done or I can't believe this person. There is no sense in promising the moon when you can't deliver anything. Okay. But lies sell. Lies get amplified. People are still not very clear about what is truth and what is lie. What is promise and what is actual. So people of India will have to decide ultimately who are we to say it. Thank you very
2: much.
0: Yeah, that's good. Uh, I think uh, it's one way of telling recasting Nehruvian model in a different milieu with updated technology. I think Dr. Sam It's Sambli a human
5: model. It is not just a Nehruvian model. It's a human yeah. model. Yeah. Yeah, with like a Nehruvian model tempo. is more like a human model. People yeah. unnecessarily give name to people and then they align <laughs> blind those people.
0: Okay, thank you, Dr. Sam. And now we're moving to uh, Mr. Chirian, Mr. Chirian from Arizona, right? Chirian J. And in between, uh, let me tell you one thing. Uh, Dr. Sam, you can uh, decide who will be the last speaker. I'm you, leaving this I, to you. You are in
5: control, I can't. Uh,
0: no, since, since uh, okay you, you. You, you, are, you are very much particular about the democratic component, we are living this to you. Since you are the guest, you can decide who will be the last speaker.
5: No, you are the customer. <laughs>
12: Thank you, thank you, Doctor Sanpetroda, for giving me this opportunity. It was a really an honor and privilege being with you and with all these, you know, people around the world. So I truly salute you for the revolution you made for all of us, and that's why we are able to, you know, get connected like this. But my main thing, what I what I feel is that we need to create a food security for the people. And a couple of things which I see is if I could use maybe the food, you know, you know, prepared by my mom in twenty five years later, right? like the technology available but it is very expensive with this modern context what do you see that like say you know the the technology which can preserve all this food what we are preparing uh, especially when it comes to say Uh, freeze drying technology, or all those things. How do you see that this is coming? And uh, we don't need to create this much of food, but we have amazing things available. How this technology, because I don't see uh, a kind of revolution happening in those areas. And the second area where I'm very concerned is our energy usage. Where I feel like, you know, we saw the amazing technology on the electrical side of it, where we reduce the power, we have new things coming. But when it comes to, say, you know, heating,
0: uh, I'll I'll
12: finish finish it, heating or say, you know, to to make me comfortable, like in air conditioning, I'm not seeing a technology change. Where do you see the new technology will come and
5: where are Thank you, thank you. Thank you. And the question is. First of all. The food challenge is definitely a real challenge. But the challenge is not in preserving, but challenge is really in preserving in terms of cooked food. But challenge is in distribution, delivery, storage. We produce enough food, but the food doesn't get delivered to the people who need it in time. From my perspective, packaging technology has really changed completely in India. Let me tell you, when I came to this country in 1964, you could not get anything, not even besan. And first time when we got besan, we were so excited that you could make pakora. Today, I can get dosa, idli all kinds of sweets, all packaged, preserved. So I think Indian food industry has done wonders, comparatively, in a short period of time to prepare packaged food. My compliments to all of them. Yesterday, I had some young student from India who is at Northwestern come here to my house. and. Um, He had not eaten all this Indian food for a long time, so he and I went to Indian grocery store and bought all kinds of stuff for him. He was so excited. So I think Indian food is now easily accessible in America. We need to make that accessible in India to a large number of people at even lower cost. So definitely, food industry is a big opportunity. I have started food banks in India. You can just Google India Food Bank Network that I started 10 years ago. We have 10 food banks in India that I chair. Nobody knows, nobody cares, where we feed hungry people every day. It's a non-profit organization. Don't get any response from local people. People talk about it, but don't come to help. So we have only 10. I want 600. I want one in every district. Nobody comes forward to help. Okay. Second question on energy, I agree that we haven't developed a small air conditioner device that can just air condition my workspace. Only maybe 10 cubic feet where I sit on front of a chair and that place is cooler. Can be done. Nobody has done it because we don't want to risk capital on new ideas. That's all there is to it. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Dr. Sam. Uh, Then now we have one elected representative from our Legislative Assembly Kerala, uh, Mr. Advocate Pramod Narayan. Uh, He's representing Ramni constituency that's in the southern district in Kerala. Mr. Pramod, please.
4: Very good morning, uh, Shri Sampath Roda. First of all, before asking the question, I would like to salute uh, SKN and News24 for this wonderful initiative. Uh, I think it is the first time experience in Kerala, which will definitely re-design uh, as this book's name suggests the media responsibility of uh, responsibility in India and especially in Kerala. My question, as a people representative, uh, I know I came to read that even the researchers are going on about uh, 60 also. So you have been trying to clarify. So it was a quite inspiring speech. Uh, Your speech was quite inspiring. Uh, You were trying to describe uh, and we all were impressed that uh, definitely connectivity, hyper-connectivity will definitely increase the momentum of life of people. My question is, as you know, the farmers are on strike in India. So there are some anxieties uh, that the IoT will create a situation where people will lose jobs. So, especially in agriculture, as you know, uh, most of the jobs are out of the radius of technology in India. So, how can we clarify that 6G or 5G will create more jobs? People will get more jobs uh, because of connectivity. Can you clarify that point?
5: This point was raised 40 years ago when we tried to computerize railway ticketing in India in Rajiv Gandhi's time. No railway department employee wanted computer in railway. They said, if you bring computers to railways, we will lose jobs. Against all the odds, we computerized railway ticketing. Then, didn't reduce any jobs, improved convenience. So this question has been around for hundreds of years. When sewing machine was invented, people said tailors would be out of jobs. When automatic dialing was invented, people said telephone operator would be out of job. Every time there is a new invention, it does replace a group of people. But it also upgrades jobs. It requires retraining, repurposing equipment. That is the cycle of progress that goes on forever. It will happen today. It will happen 100 years from now. Every new idea, people will say, oh, I'm out of job. Fine. Somebody else is in the job. And you'll have to retrain yourself and move on. If you listen to them, there will not be any progress anywhere. OK? I see a lot of buildings in back of you being constructed. And I'm sure Crane brought same question, that if you have Crane, you won't need so many people to lift brick and take it up there. Same problem. Life goes on. So I won't worry about it. Okay. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Sama. thank you.
5: Um, uh, now, so, Dr. Okay, I think
1: more. we can give a chance to Michael Matthew. Because he yeah. missed that. He some there? Yeah. He, he's there.
5: There's Michael also Matthew. Alex Matthew with his hand up, I think. I see on yeah. the screen.
2: Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, oh, I yeah, can. Sure. Yes. Okay, uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity. Um, sir, uh, I'm running an NGO too under the guidance of uh, TP Srinivasan, sir. Uh, we are running an NGO based coaching right now. Great. Uh, so, my question is uh, hyper connectivity is one of the important uh, factor in the development. Uh, so, in your view, with the help of AI, or the technology how can we bridge the gap uh, between the poor and the rich category and bring the equality in the development it depends on
5: what problem you are trying to solve okay. you have a general question but you got to say this particular problem i am trying to solve okay and then you talk about technology so if you are trying to solve the problem of equality first thing you need to do is empower people Make them educated of their rights. Demand that I am treated equally. Demand respect. Okay. Tell them what equality means. So I think you first need to focus on the problem we are trying to solve. Then you have all the technology tools available. AI is one of them. Not the only one. Okay. So I would Focus on problem definition.
8: Okay. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank
0: you. Thank you, Dr. Samantha. Uh, we have uh, one more person, Alex Matthew. Perhaps he will be the last person to ask yes. this, right? Alex Matthew, please. He's an engineer from two Hello, Sam, sir.
7: Uh, yes, Alex. How are can you hear me?
5: I can hear you well. I'm
7: fine, sir. I'm a software engineer. So I have very uh, keenly uh, heard your session. And as you have rightly mentioned about the vaccination, telecom revolution and development of indigenous solutions and hyper connectivity. So this pandemic has brought us some uh, very hot topics like digital discrimination and digital divide in India. Uh, at least I couldn't have, I mean, I didn't have uh, heard these terms before this pandemic. So why I'm telling you this, uh, uh, this digital divide is because I am residing in a village where the digital divide was very, very, uh, we we could see with our naked eyes, this digital divide is there. And I have introduced uh, one program called Maya Janaram, which introduced the augmented reality and virtual reality uh, in a village library to give the education to many deprived people, deprived children. So how can we reduce this uh, digital divide and digital discrimination because in earlier days there was a discrimination the holy text and the literacy was deprived to the people uh, okay. because that is something like sacred so how can we pragmatically solve this deprivation digital divide and yeah digital yeah digital
0: divide. divide especially in this covid-stricken period where students from yeah. the remote areas are unable to access the education yeah exactly and question clear
5: dr sam The digital divide is not just about digital. It is a divide about education, health, housing, nutrition. Digital is one piece of it. It is not that they have everything else and not just have digital. It'd be very different. If they had everything else and not have digital, I would worry about it. But the divide is much broader because they are at the bottom of the economic pyramid. They have to be lifted up. They are part of the 400 million who are below poverty line. That is the national challenge. It is not a challenge of digital divide. Digital divide is subset of that. How do we lift these 400 million people by giving them opportunities, education, health, Jobs, housing—that's a larger challenge. And part of that is how do we give them better communication? How do we use digital technology to empower them? Okay, so you can't take that in isolation. Okay.
0: Thank you, Dr. Saman. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you, Sri Alex Matthew. I think we are coming to the. uh, yeah. A final moment, right?
1: All beautiful things come to an end. Yeah, yeah. So this Thank session... First of I new hope new it was useful, Dr. Things.
5: Arun and yeah. your colleague. Yeah, pardon? I hope Dr. this was useful because I just... Yeah, definitely, wonderful. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't yeah. think too much. And, and <clears throat> Dr. Sam,
0: actually, uh, each replay was in fact a kind of a hypothesis or a beautiful narration to explore further. And from connectivity to the last point, you rephrased or redefined the re- digital divide in fact all the are, are, are having lot of further exploring potentials so i think all, all I'm these are to be
5: debated with, i'm impressed with your audience
0: <laughs> thank you and i
5: have very sincere yeah. people and i think we yeah. need yeah. to encourage them we need to support all of them
0: yeah yeah and of have course, a terrific audience. Really, yeah, like
5: people look at alex i mean i like his hair style
0: <laughs> Actually, what what Alex raised this issue was uh, really discussed in. Uh, I know, Canada. I know, I
5: know exactly what. I, but
0: those are the said, young uh, we need, uh, yeah, because the
7: exactly.
0: COVID portal, which has uh, uh, Supreme Court
7: has
5: questioned that. That's why yeah. I brought this. No, uh, I topic I agree. I am with you, but yes. we need young people like you to go to villages and do it
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um,
5: Sir, personally, you I,
7: and abdul kalam sir was my inspiration to have this hair face. thank you yeah. thanks a
0: lot, thank you looking good okay okay. okay dr sam um uh, we have our mt with us uh Sri nair who is the mt uh, of the, uh, our Inside media city the media team uh, of which this 24 usa is a small vertical and 24 news is uh, a regional channel and i invite uh srikantan Sri nair for extending the uh, vote of thanks thank you
8: Good, good morning, Dr. Sam Sambitroda. Actually, it was a, a proud moment and all of us really enjoyed what you were talking and uh, uh, actually maybe the first time that uh, uh, this kind of a, it's a webinar happened uh, with taking people from all continents across the world, in a way, actually we were, uh, we, we know that you people uh, like uh, Dr. Sam Sambitroda has uh, made it possible because of the revolution you have done in India along with uh, Shri rajiv Gandhi and other people. And uh, we are very thankful and uh, uh, a, a lot of uh, fruitful questions have been raised. And your you uh, memories on the earlier days that you have done certain experiments in the country and which were very fruitful and it thoroughly changed the face of the country, you know. Even the media circle that we were enjoying on a daily basis that what you have done in the country. And uh, thanks a lot for the pain you have taken all this uh, time to... Uh, cooperative, this and uh, you uh, you made wonderful replies to all of the questions raised by the people and thanks a lot for all the pain and magnanimity that you have shown to this institution and uh, we will go by what you have said in your speech. Thanks. Thanks a lot for all the kindness you have shown. Thank you. Thank, thank
5: you me. for the opportunity and I must say I don't have all the answers.
2: <laughs> but thank, yeah, you. Yeah, thank yeah. you. I share my yeah.
5: I share whatever I want to share. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Thank,
0: thank you. Thank you, Dr. Zam. Thank and, you. Wishing uh, you all the best. A, yeah, every crisis is a catalyst for change. And uh, I consider that this is one of such catalysts. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Sam, And thank you all dignitaries and thank you all participants who participated in this webinar, which is going to be a series of academic enrichment program. And this is just one of it, and uh, we are going to host uh, another webinar soon with a dignitary. And uh, beyond that, we are looking forward cooperation with uh, faculty members and resource persons from different continent to help our students in Kerala and India, and thereby making this connectivity and hyperconnectivity more fruitful for academic endeavors. Uh, thank you, thank you, Dr. Sam, and thank you, dear participants. Thanks to both thank of you. Thank
5: you. you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thanks to thank both of you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye bye.
0: I'm glad.